Good morning, Crossroads. Thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in online. If you're in the building this morning, would you please stand and worship with us? When night has fallen, when fear is coming, still you're calling me. When faith is lost and my hope exhausted, you will be my strength. When my mind says I'm not good enough, God, you're enough for me. Yeah, I've decided I'm not giving up. Cause you won't give up on me. You won't give up on me. Your love is holding on and it won't let go. Says to me, now there's no stopping what you have started until it is complete. When my mind says I'm not good enough, God, you're enough for me. Yeah, I've decided I'm not giving up because you won't give up on me. You won't give up on me. Your love is holding on and it won't let go. I feel it breaking out like an echo. Your love is holding on and it won't let go. I feel it breaking out like an echo. Echo in my soul.
Through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress. You are my portion. You are my hiding place. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. I believe through every blessing, through every promise. said on you and you meet me here today with mercies that are new all my fears and doubts they can all come to because they can't stay long when I am here with you it's a new horizon and I'm set on you and you meet me here today Mercies that are new, all my fears and doubts, they can all come to because they can't stay alone when I believe Oh 
together as you take a seat. Father, thank you so much for today, for waking us up this morning and for bringing us to this place that we can have an opportunity to connect with you, to worship you, to to share our, our thanksgiving for everything you've done. And so, Lord, as we open ourselves up, as we open up our hearts, we pray, God, that you are lifted high, that you speak to us. God, thank you for everything that you've done, everything that you are doing, because you truly are faithful. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So, um, welcome. It's good to see you guys all here this morning. To get started, um, after that amazing worship, we give the band a hand. That That was so good. That was so good. To get started this morning, um, we're going to celebrate some of our grads. Um, and so we just want you guys to give them a hand as they make their way up. And so uh, Abigail Ford, if you are here, come up. Kale Baker. And then we have Caleb Varega, who is working right now. He's he's uh, making a living, but uh, we're going to celebrate him, too. And so way to go, guys. Oh, man. Can we give a big hand? Yes. I want to know where you got the hat. That's what I want to know. I think that's fantastic. Um, so, uh, Abigail, if you don't know, this one is Abigail, just in case you weren't sure. So, uh, so Abigail is graduating. Um, so these are two of our, our homeschool pros. And so they, uh, they're better than everybody else. Um, so just a little bit about what Abigail's doing next. So she's going to be taking a year off, um, just so that everybody else can catch up. Um, she was uh, she was a member of the Washington County Homeschoolers Cooperative since preschool. Uh, she's also a member of the Heart and Home 4-H Club for eight years, where she was actively involved in uh, project classes, service projects, and the Washington County Fair. Super cool. After graduating, she's going to travel, as we all should, over the summer, and work at a lo- local coffee shop, just continuing to be awesome. And so, congratulations, we're super proud of you. Kale, the man with the amazing hat, he is also one of the homeschool pros. He is, the next thing he's doing is he's going to do a vocational apprenticeship. Um, So, um, so for most of his high school summers, he's been working odd jobs, being a handyman for his pappy, which is awesome. And last year, he started working as a groundsman at his friend's business, the branch manager. Talk about going out on a limb for a job, right? He's picked up many, many skills. Um, he is pursuing the opportunity to apprentice to become an arborist, which is a... Uh, someone who takes care of cutting down trees. I knew that. I just want to make sure he knew that, um, which is awesome. Um, and hopefully lead a crew of groundsmen himself. So that's awesome. Congratulations. You guys have worked hard. You've earned every bit of celebration. Can we give him one more great big hand? All of our grads. And then last but not least, this young man up here, Caleb Vrega, he is, uh, 
It's not naturally curly hair, but it's it's awesome. Um, so Caleb is a Ringgold grad. He's a he's a great young man. wasn't able to be here because uh, they needed him at work, but he is finishing up at Ringgold. Um, and next, he is going to be going to Pittsburgh Technical College, doing the associates in the HVAC program. So he is going to keep everybody cool and warm because that is just how Caleb rolls. So please continue to keep Caleb, Abigail, and Kale uh, in your prayers as they continue with the next step and the way that God is leading them. We will be in your corner every step of the way, and we're excited about what God has next for each of you. Um, can we just pray together over our grads? Father, we thank you so much that you are with us as we journey through life, that there is nothing that we go through that you do not provide the means, the strength, and the wisdom for us. And so, God, we just lift up Caleb and Abigail and Kale to you as they pursue you, as they move forward in their journeys. God, help them to keep their eyes fixed on you. Help them to, uh, to work as unto the Lord and not unto man. God, we believe that you're going to do great and mighty things through them and through the example that they share with others. Thank you that, that we have been able to be a part of their story and help them to know that we will always be in their corner. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's thank God for these grads, man. We love you guys. So thankful for our church family and for our young people that are growing up. And as they begin to spread their wings, I tell them to try and don't fly too far away. Keep coming home. Keep coming home. But we're so thankful for, for these young people in our church. I'm so thankful for you, church. Aren't you glad to be here today? Amen. God is good. He's always good. Today, just a few announcements I'd like to share with you. We just want to thank you for being here, being on mission with us. Our mission is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That has been our mission, and that will be continue to be our mission. So we have a few things that we're that we're going to be uh, heading up over this summer here. One of them is a it's called summer backyard barbecue. So I want to encourage you. I think we have a slide for that. Backyard barbecues coming up in June. You know, the, the world has been shut down and like we're slowly opening up. Of course, we opened up a little quicker than most places. But, uh, we, you know, people are starting to get back together. And what we're missing is relationships. People have really missed this time of just being together and talking to people. So what we decided to do, I, I had about 10 families over to my house a few weeks ago. And I said, hey, I'm going to ask you all to go out and do what I just did tonight. Put some burgers on the grill and then, and have people to your house and then we will, we will celebrate this, this good time. So what I'm going to ask you to do is just to go onto our website. There are several dates in June and we're going to let you sign up and we're put five, six families per home and you get to go to a barbecue. So if the, if the date works for you, there's a date and a location. So some are in Bethel Park, South Park, Finleyville. We have them all over the place. And so just go to the website, hit the, hit the logo that says summer barbecue. Go on there and, and we're going to see how this works. We'll, you will sign up and then the host home will contact you and say, hi, I've never met you, but you're coming to my house for a burger. All right. And so what we're, we, we, we know that when we get together here, it's wonderful. But when you get together around a hamburger, it's even better, isn't it? It's just something about a burger. Just I think it's spiritual fellowship is what it is. All right. So but when you get together in a backyard, you're going to take your own lawn chair or a camping chair type of thing. And you sit outside. If it rains, I don't know that they'll be able to do it because you might not fit everybody in people's homes, you know. But we're just going to we're going to do this. And it's it's all over the place. So. 
I'm going to encourage you, go to the website, sign up, and get on, in on this, and you will be so happy. You will find some Christian fellowship. And so you'll be with people of all different ages. We're not saying, like, here's all the young people, here's all the non-young people. You know, because I'm non-young anymore, so I, I say that now. All right, so so it's like we're, we're gonna just we're gonna let multi generations. You're gonna get to know people. You'll see some people with kids. You'll see people without kids, and so we want to encourage you just to sign up. So go to that website, the church website, crsmin.com. Sign up for it, and uh, and and we will contact you. Somebody will be contacting you. One is coming up next Saturday, I think, Saturday or Sunday. So go on the website, see what date works for you. And uh, as they fill up, we're, uh, we're going to be just so encouraged. But uh, all these families in our church are opening their homes, and we're looking forward to start a movement out of this. Uh, hopefully by fall, we want to see people just continue. So we're going to do this in June. We're going to do it in July. We're going to do it in August. So there's going to be three opportunities for you to mooch a burger off of some church family, okay? So I want you to mooch a burger. So go and have a good time. And as you do this, it's going to be wonderful. Actually, you're going to bring a side dish, so it's a trade-off. You bring broccoli. No, don't bring broccoli anywhere. You're going to come, and you're going to bring a dessert, and you'll get a burger, right? So we're going to just have fun. And then we have coming up, Man Day. Man Day is coming up. That's our version of... um <clears throat> Of Father's Day, all right? So we're going to call this Man Day on Father's Day. That's coming up right around the corner here. And as we hit June 20th, we will be celebrating. Ed Maxton is already ready to go. He's going to be making his bacon, egg, and cheeseburger. Why am I talking so much about food this morning? I'm so sorry. But, uh, you know, you can't have fathers without bacon. So that, that goes hand in hand. So Ed, thank God he's in the back. Thank God for Ed Maxton. He's the man. He's our chef tell. So he'll be out there and, uh, you know, we had healthy food for moms, for dads, we're having bacon. So I want, I want to encourage, come a little bit early, get a sandwich out there in the parking lot. He'll be making those breakfast sandwiches. You can get one before the service or after the service and just hang out and meet a few people. It's always fun. I'm also going to encourage, encourage you guys to bring your toys. And I mean like if you have a classic car, you have a muscle car. You have a Nissan? I don't know. You, uh, That's what I have. I'll lift the hood if you really want to look at it. It's fuel injected. It's so cool. A four-cylinder, I think 16-valve. It's really cool. So um, I, I want to encourage you to, like, bring those type of toys. One year, a guy was building a sailboat, and he brought a sailboat, put it out there. Um, Ross, I know if you can put yours together, he'll bring his. You have to, like, duct tape it back together, get it on the road again. But, uh, you know, bring your toys out. The men got their their uh, their toys that they like to play with out there. You see that one big Mack truck out there at the end of the parking lot? Believe it or not, I got to ride in that this week. Rick Lawson, he he, he comes to the church. He brought it up for the car cruise, and uh, he took me down to the garage and back. You can't go too many places with that thing. That's pretty big. So he said, I'm, I'm trying to get him on Father's Day to lift that thing up and down for the kids. So we're going to have a lot of fun here. So that's coming up on Father's Day. And then we also have coming up, I can't see the back slides aren't up, so give me another slide here, what's happening here, is we have June 18th is our, our movie night. We're going to have a drive-in movie night out on the, on, on the lawn. As we have our drive-in movie night, it's going to be a fun time. We want to encourage you bring invite somebody from the community to this. You come up, the big inflatable screen will be out there. We ask people to go to our website, get a free ticket just so that we can plan. But we will have the rescue dogs from the uh, from the rescue mission. They'll be here. We, remember we had that on a Veterans Day this year? So the rescue dogs will be there, and you'll have concession stand, all that fun stuff. It'll be a great family night out here. And the movies, the crudes. Then we have coming up is uh, July 12th through the 16th is our Vacation Bible School Heart of a 
champion. This is our VBS Kids Camp. The theme this year is Mega Sports Camp. Watch this video. Hey everyone, Coach John here. I'm a ninja athlete and a two-time competitor on American Ninja Warrior. I cannot wait for Mega Sports Camp, Heart of a Champion. Every athlete loves to win. At Mega Sports Camp, kids will discover how to become champions, both in sports and in their faith. They'll enjoy action-packed sports training sessions mixed with fun rallies where you will introduce kids in your church and community to their true champion, Jesus. Sign up to volunteer today. All right, so Mega Sports Camp, it'll be a good time, and um, and I won't be doing backflips, so it'll be a wonderful day. I just want to encourage you to get the kids, get the word out. Vacation Bible School, so many kids come to know Jesus during those times. Their lives have an opportunity to be transformed, and so we're just uh, we're just thanking God for all these opportunities that we have to keep moving forward. Isn't it great, folks? God is moving in this church, and it's a wonderful, wonderful sight to sit back and just hear and see the things that God is doing. Um, today, I'm, I'm reminded, I'm happy to see with us is Ron and Rose Mimitis in the last row over there. Ron and Rose, wave your hand over there. There they are. Let's thank God for these folks. They're, man, they're wonderful people. Ron and Rose have been part of our church. They were part of our church for many, many years and uh, really were big, big help to this church. And, and I know they, they originally taught the upper room Sunday school class that Roger Metcalf now teaches. And so they went off and their son planted a church and they were, they were just involved in ministry for so many years. And when they walked in, I think, Fred, you told me that he's been in the same house for 79 years, right? I'm blown away by that. 79 years he's living in the same house. Man, I, I, he's only got to be 79 and a half. So thank God for that guy. You know, we're so thankful. Let's welcome these folks today. We're so glad that you guys are here. All right. Let's uh, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. And I want to thank you for your faithfulness in giving. God has been using you as you give your faithfulness to the Lord your tithes and your offerings. You know, when we give to him, we're giving and we're saying thanks because he's the one who gave to us. He first gave to us. And so when we understand how much that he gave to us, now we can respond back how that he gave to us. And we say, thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your the work that you're doing here in this place. God, thank you for your church family. God, it's a joy to be here with, with the family and just work together. We thank you, Lord, for these young people, Lord, for our, our young people that have graduated high school and are moving on into the next phase of life, Lord. I, I just lift them up to you this morning. I lift up Abigail, I lift up Kale, and I lift up Caleb, Lord. I thank you for each one of them. They are a gift from you, Lord. You've entrusted them to us, to these fine parents in the church, to us as the church, Lord, to to encourage them to Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that as they move into the next phase of life and, and begin their, their next uh, job trainings and their next development of life, Lord, I pray that you allow us as a church to help them through this transition um, as life goes through a massive transition at this point for them. God, we, we bless your name and we ask your blessing upon these young people. Lord, for, for our church, we thank you for our, the, the many things that are happening, for the people that are coming to know the Lord. And so, God, I just uh, I ask now, as, as we give unto you, Lord, 
whether it's online, through, through the boxes on the wall in the auditorium, or, or through the mail, Lord. I just pray that you'll be honored and adored, and you'll be blessed, Lord, by each gift and each giver. Thank you so much for the way that you're working in this church, and we, we just look forward to hearing great things from you. In your name we pray. Amen. Also on Saturday morning here at the church at 11 a.m., we'll be having a celebration of life for Jamie Zayak, and I'd like to encourage you to um, to be here if you if you knew Jamie, um, if you your life was touched by her. She was a helper in our preschool ministry here, um, and she passed away about two weeks ago and went to be with the Lord. And as I told you before, she's left behind a husband and two small children. And uh, she's only 42, and uh, we've walked the journey with her of cancer, and uh, she is in the presence of the Lord today. But we are going to be here on Saturday at 11 o'clock and having a celebration of life in honor of her, and then there'll be a, a, a celebration slash party in the gym. You know, when when I when we spoke with her before she passed, she said, "Listen, I don't want anybody crying. I want everybody celebrating that I'm with Jesus." And I said, "Wow, what a testimony." And, uh, and, and I, we will cry because that is, that is heavy, but we will celebrate. Amen. She is with Jesus. So I want to encourage you to, to be here, uh, Saturday at 11 if you are able to, if you want to encourage that family. And, uh, and so that will be here. And then the lunch will be following in the gymnasium. Um, today we are thanking God as we're moving into the Remarkable series here. We've been having a good time. As we're looking at Remarkable, we're, we're just kind of hitting all the verse by verse through the book of Mark. And we're saying, who is Jesus? We're coming off the pandemic. We're saying, what do you really need to know? You need to know Jesus. Like, that's the most important thing. Uh, I, I could, we could come and we can make a place where you feel good all the time. But that's not necessarily what church is about. You know, I, I hope you do feel good when you come to church, but that's not what church is about. Um, one person has told me this and has told me a couple times, says, hey, listen, I feel so good on Sunday. But then by the middle of the week, how do I keep that feeling going, right? And so you do that by learning to just keep walking with God and let, let, his, let his word fill in you. But I want to encourage you, this is not just about coming together and, and having a good time, although there's a lot of good times. We make a lot of memories, and the best memories of my life have been made up here on this hill. And I want to encourage you to do the same, but, but there's something deeper than all the family memories that we have, and it's, it's who our Father is. It's Jesus, and it's what He has done in our life. And so, last week, Pastor Al picked up with the parable of the, of the lamp, in the parable of the growing seed, in the parable of the mustard seed. So we see Jesus, he, he's gone through this journey where he says, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin to teach. And so when he begins to teach, he starts out with these parables. And the first parable, he said, is key for you to understand was the parable of the soils, of the seed. And he talked about the four different type of soils. And then he keeps going with those, those parables last week. It's it, this what God has given you is not to be hidden. It's, it's like a lamp. You can't hide it. It's just gonna, it's gonna shine bright. If you've got Christ in your life, it's gonna shine bright. You cannot hide it. 
He said it's like a, a seed that grows and it, that this faith is little. And so you've got this little faith of a mustard seed. And then as you're reading in the chapter, you're saying, okay, it seems like he all of a sudden, Mark takes you on a different story. It's like in the very same chapter, how all of a sudden does he come from all this teaching? But I want to give you this background, that every good teacher knows that if he's teaching, there has to be a test. And I have to tell you, that was the part I hated most about school. I uh, I didn't like studying either. I didn't like the test, but I, see, I was, I was smart enough to sit by the kids who did know what was on the test, you know, like they would say, read, and I'm not saying that I cheated. They gave me their answers. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm being very honest with you. I didn't look over and get it in the middle of the test. They told me before the test. I'll never forget. We read this. Actually, I should say the rest of the class read this thing called the scarlet letter. And, um, and I read like three pages. And I come in, man, these smart kids, they were, they, they like actually enjoyed reading. And, and I sat, I said, now tell me what the plot is and all this stuff that would be on the test. And somehow they let me out. I got through it, okay? But the test is always the hard part. And so as we're coming up to this passage today, it's the test. He's given them, he said, this is faith. Your faith has got to grow. We're going to see God do great things. This little mustard seed has got to grow. And so you're going to have to have a test of the faith. But at the same time, I want to, want to remind you that Mark is a faithful reporter. And he's going to give you some details. This passage today is laced with details that are insignificant to the overall theme. Remember, we said the overall theme of the book of Mark is so that you could know that he is the Lord, that he is the master, that he is the savior, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the good news. So the whole book is pounding this. And so when you come into this, all of a sudden you're going to see that he gives some details that like don't necessarily make that, get to that plot any faster. Uh, in his book, Rick, Richard Bachman, he states his book ne- entitled Jesus and the Eyewitness. He's a biblical scholar, and he examines the character- characteristics of eyewitness memory. He states that one of the marks of eyewitness account is irrelevant details. Uh, you know what? If you were making up a story, you would make up a story and get to the, get to the bottom line. These guys are telling you the story, and, and he's giving you details that don't necessarily help that bottom line. For example, if I witnessed an accident, and I were to tell you the eyewitness thing, I'd say, well, you know, I was on my way to the grocery store, and I was going in there to get toothpaste, and, and when I come out to get toothpaste, there was a big cloud in the sky, and you're like, all I wanted to know was the accident. And I start to tell you, have you ever noticed that? People tell you a lot of details to get there. You know, and then I, then I looked across the street and there was a guy, he was three times as tall as me. And you start telling the details of the story, right? And then you get down to the accident. Well, this is what happens with Mark. Mark has given us some details. And, and some of these details he's going to tell you, he's going to tell you that there were other boats. Jesus is going to be in a boat. He's going across the other side of the sea. Um, this is in, this, these are important for us today because it gives us that this really happened. But I want you to catch it. It's so important because it tells us that this wasn't made up. Even down to the fact we're going to see Jesus is sleeping on a pillow, on a cushion. 
Like he gives us these details. And so that detail, yeah, it's kind of cool, but it's not going to support necessarily that he is the Lord. It's just part of the story. And so Vincent Taylor, the prominent 20th century biblical scholar, he said that these details were so unnecessary and therefore have the marks of genuine reminiscence. So in other words, this was eyewitness testimony, folks. Uh, John Mark, he's giving to you the firsthand account from Peter. Peter, uh, uh, when you're reading the book of Mark, you're seeing all of Peter's eyes. This is what Peter witnessed. This is what Peter saw. And so he's giving you how as Peter sees it. So as we see this this morning, let's look here in the book of Mark chapter 4. He's just got done teaching. That day when evening came, he says to his disciples, now here's the test. Let us go to the other side. So he's on the lake. He's going to go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. So as he's moving along, he sees that, uh, you know, here's a couple other boats. And again, there's that little detail. What's the, you know, he's in the boat, but there's others that were going as well. So it wasn't just the 12. There were likely several other followers that were going, hey, let's get away. Let's go across. But soon a fierce storm came up and high waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. One translation says so that it was nearly swamped. In other words, the, 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 the storm was so fierce it was, it was, uh, it was beating, the waves were beating, the, uh, the, the boat would be filling up with water and the disciples, they begin to be beside themselves. Verse 38, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion and the disciples welcomed and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Wow. Like, like as, as you look at this, and I realize for many of us this is a very familiar story. But look at it in the context of what he was doing. He was doing teaching, teaching, teaching. Remember we said Jesus came not to do miracles, although he did many miracles, but he came to teach. He came to teach you to repent and believe. Believe that he is the Messiah. Believe that he is worthy of everything. Repent and believe and, and make your life about following him. Jesus is in the stern now. He's sleeping on the cushion. And the disciples, they wake him up and say, don't you care? What's wrong with you? I want you to catch this here. This is a map I'm going to throw up here. This little map of, uh, of northern Israel. It was on the Sea of Galilee. And remember, we've been talking a lot about him being at the, on Capernaum, the shores of Capernaum. So a lot of his Galilean ministry is right up in this area. You'll see some of these names, Bethsaida, um, a few other places here that you'll see in the Bible. Uh, but I want to point out to you at the top here is Mount Hermon. And at the top, Mount Hermon is, uh, is actually 9,200 feet in elevation. But the Sea of Galilee is like 680 feet below sea level. So you have the Mediterranean Sea. You have this Sea of Galilee down low, and then you have this mountain. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you the Google Earth. So you got to watch this. This is cool. Google Earth of these areas. I was fascinated when I saw this. Like, yeah, this is cool. Modern day stuff. See the mountain range. You can see the mountain range, Mount Hermon. And then it's going to take us on down. It's just going to keep rolling there. There it goes. Thank you, Google. Down to the Sea of Galilee. And so you can see all these mountains surrounding it. And, and and so, you know, you're thinking, well, these are fishermen. They, you know, they knew how to deal with this. Like for you and I, we're, you know, I'm, I'm a fisherman once a year. These were fishermen all year. These were fishermen. They knew how to do this. They would go out in their boat every day. They had learned this from their dads. 
And so these were skilled fishermen. So they go out and, uh, and they were used to weather that would come up because of the terrain. I want to give you another picture here because with that kind of elevation, you had mountains, this mountain, the Mount Hermon, which was 30 miles to the north, which would likely several times a year be snow capped. So the winds would come down off of Mount Hermon, down through that valley and hit that lowest point, And you would have a fierce storm that would rip up rather easily. You know, if you've ever been out on the water, you know that when a storm comes, you don't mess around. You get you get home pretty quickly. Whenever I was uh, out on water multiple times, you know, I'm not a I'm I'm not a. I don't know anything about the water. I get really nervous when you see those storms come. But when I'm with a, a fellow who, who gets real nervous and uh, he owns the boat and he says, let's get out of here, then I really get upset, right? Uh, when the locals get fired up, it's time, it's time to realize that this is a bad situation. And so here were the disciples. They're on this boat and they're going fishing. And remember, Jesus had been teaching from the back of the boat already. So he says, let's just go over. So they load a few other people onto the boat and a few other boats, and they're going across the, going across the water. And as they're going across, the storm comes down, and a storm just whips in, and, uh, and it's a terrible place. So these people, these were avid fishermen. It wasn't like if I go out and the water was rocky. It was a local that is out there. They are saying, we are going to die. I cannot believe this. How can this happen that this thing is that bad? We are going to die. And, uh, and, and there's the water is filling the boat. And here's Jesus. He's asleep. It, it just seems that he doesn't care. It seems that he, you know, he, how can he sleep through the storm in the first place? Uh, Mark chapter 4, 39. They woke him up. He got up and he rebuked the wind. And, and I love this because rebuke is a powerful word. It means he took charge. He didn't just get up and say, peace, be still. He got up. He's like, quiet, be still. Just in the same manner that we saw him say quiet to the demon, it's the same word here. When he told the demon, the demon-possessed man to be quiet, be still, get out, he tells this, this storm, quiet, be still. And he has complete command. And then he says, then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And you're saying, okay, wait a minute, that sounds a little bit redundant. The wind died down, it was completely calm. What he's talking about there is, is both, the, uh, both the wind and the waves. If you've ever been around the water and after a storm, you can see waves that will just keep pounding the shore for hours after a storm has gone by. Go down to Hilton Head, man. I've been down there and, and watch a storm come through. And then you go out, you know, it's a clear sky. An hour later after the storm down there, and man, that went, those waves are, there, there's nothing calm about it. Them waves are still knocking you around. When Jesus took command, he said, quiet, be still. The wind died down and the water was calm. It became like glass. It became like, like, like the sea that has no waves. And so immediately this, this was the, the command that happened to him. Uh, and, and uh, that, that, that happened to the, to the, to nature. And so he takes charge of nature. He said to his disciples, verse 40, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? What's wrong with you? Why are you afraid? Don't you have any, fra- uh, any faith? And they were terrified. And he asked each other, who is this? So, so before, when the storm was rolling, they were afraid. After he calms it, they're terrified. 
Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this man? And so when Jesus woke up, two amazing things happened. Number one, it was his words. I want you to catch this. He didn't brace himself. Um, There were no incantations. He didn't say in the name of anybody. He just got up and he said, peace, quiet, be still. The idea behind that word is hold your peace. It's like if there's a toddler making noise and you go to him and you say, be quiet. That lasts for about a minute, doesn't it? And then that toddler starts to talk again. Jesus, he got out in front of the, uh, in front of the uh, storm that nobody has control of. And as he gets in front of the storm, he goes for it and he says, be quiet. And it stops. It's immediately gone. And not just the wind, not just the clouds, not just the wind coming off that mountaintop. It is everything. The waves, everything stops down. And so the storm listened. Jesus spoke and the storm listened. Jesus told the storm to be quiet. And these fishermen had never seen anything like that. They fished all their life. This was the, this is how they lived. Man, day in and day out, they were fishing, they were fishing, they were fishing. They've been through storm after storm. They knew how to run for cover. Uh, these people were well-schooled at how to handle this, but they've never seen anybody stand up and say, Hey, be still. And the storm stopped. I want you to think about that because many times we just got this idea that, Oh, Jesus got up and it was all, everything was fine. But I want you to think of the details of that. And Mark gives us that. You know, one point of the ancient cultures, they understood that the sea was, uh, was uncontrolled by anyone but God. Uh, everybody, uh, look, look, in, look in the Old Testament, look at ancient cultures. They understood. They would look at sea and they would see that sea was a symbol of unstoppable destruction. You may have heard the story about a, a Danish king. His name was King Canute. He was from the 11th, uh, Danish king from the 11th century. His followers were very flattering of him, and they would just, just build him up. And one day, to, uh, to illustrate his humility, he says, am I divine? And then he walks over to the shore, and he tells the water to stop. Stop. Tell the waves to stop. And, of course, the waves just kept going. And you see, what he was saying is, only God can stop the sea. I am not God. Jesus, when he got up, he didn't call on anybody else's name. It was the power in the name of Jesus. I want you to catch that. There is power in the name of Jesus. I love that song that we sing. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power. And, and, and there's so much power that we walk away and we forget about in our life. Look at Psalm 89. Check this out. Psalm 89, verse 8. The Lord God of armies, who is strong like you, O Lord Your faithfulness surrounds you. Verse 9, you roll the raging sea. When its waves surge, you still them. And so when Jesus stood up, it was in the name of Jesus. And so he, he didn't have to, like they had watched other prophets. They had heard other people would say in the name of so and so and so and so. Uh, Jesus stood up. It was in the name of who he is, Jesus. And he says, quiet, peace, be still, and everything stops. So the first thought in your notes here today is that Jesus is power. I want you to catch that. He's not just saying that I have power. He's saying I am power. 
Remember a few weeks ago we looked at his rest, the rest on the Sabbath, when the disciples were messing with him about why aren't you resting on the Sabbath, you're harvesting on the Sabbath, and he said basically that I am rest. Well, today we're seeing Jesus say that he is power. I am power. Like, if you want to define power, you look at Jesus Christ. You look at his life and look at what he did. It's a mighty claim because if this is true, then who is this? Like, Jesus stood and he calmed the sea. And if that is true, that he is God, who is this? Like, this is just a... Here, here were, they were looking at another guy that was walking along the shore and was teaching and, and, and eating with them. And they're like, wait a minute, he's God? And, and the lights went off. And when it says they were terrified, you'd be terrified too if God was standing right next to you. And you saw that, wait a minute, <laughs> you mean God? I mean, I've been hanging with God. And so it, the, the light bulbs went off. Jesus is power in the power. And, and, and see, listen, if he is God, that gives you two options. You know, you can look at life, you can look at the storms of life in two different ways. One way is you can just argue that the whole world is just a storm. And you can say that, you know, you're here by accident. You could say that through the, through the blind, violent forces of nature, through the big bang, you can come up with whatever you want. And you can say that when you die, you'll turn into dust. And when I'm gone, nobody will ever remember me. And so when the sun goes down, it's just all over. And it doesn't really matter how I live. Or if Jesus is God, you can come to him and say, hmm, there's another way to look at life. If he is the Lord of the storm, then no matter what happens, no matter what shape the world is in, no matter what shape that my life is in, you will find Jesus provides all the healing, all the rest, and all the power that you could possibly want. And I'll tell you what, he is God. And so when he stood up to that storm, boy, the disciples, they had to respond. And look at, look at the emotional state of the disciples here. I'm going to go back and hit verse 38 again here. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Uh, the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care? I mean, that's a legitimate question. Don't you care if we drown? I, I think today many people are asking that question. If you've been a follower of Christ any length of years, you will ask that question from time to time. Lord, don't you care? Like, we know the answer that he cares, but, but whenever we see the storm, we say, don't you care? And so they were coming to him, and, and so their emotions are all up high. And so he's sleeping, and they wake him up, don't you care? Verse 40, he says to them, why are you so afraid? Verse 40, we'll go to the next slide. Why are you so afraid? Do you still not have faith? Why do you have no faith? They're like, like, listen, I've been with you. I've cast out the demon. These people watched him cast out demons. They watched him teach. They watched the crowds. They watched people line up for hours and for days to be healed and to be changed by this man. And yet, whenever Jesus goes out with them, and it's just a little jaunt across the lake. I mean, this lake isn't gigantic. It's not small, but it's not gigantic. So, But they're going across the lake to the other side. And as they're just making this little journey to go to a different place to, to have a change of scenery, why do they think why did they get so afraid? And they saw a storm like they'd never seen before. You know, when I was in Ecuador, I'll never forget that, in the jungles, the, the, uh, the storm came and the storm was pretty hot. I mean, it was pretty heavy. 
like thunder and lightning came. I was in the, we were, we were in the jungles of Ecuador and I was teaching to a, a bunch of uh, young people. It was like a camp and they gathered all these kids from the jungle and they were staying in these little lean-tos all over the place. And I haven't spoke on Noah and I'll never forget that. You know, you talk about Noah, you go to bed that night and it starts to rain. And I'll tell you, it never rained like that in my life anywhere else. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, this is crazy. And I mean, thunder's cracking, lightning's cracking. And, you know, Daniel Gonzalez was with us and he's like, oh brother, it's okay. I'm like, it's not okay. This is bad. We're never getting out of here alive. You know what I mean? I mean, it was fierce. And so, so I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking, well, if the locals are alright, I get up the next day. And I hear all the kids had been crying in the middle of the night because the storm was so bad. I'm like, wait a minute. Them people live in that jungle? That was a bad storm. I said, those kids are crying. And then, and then they're like, hey, the kids were saying in the middle of the night, the pastor must be a prophet. <laughs> I talked about Noah. They thought they were going to drown in a flood. Like, listen, it was so bad. And, and so I get that. Man, I'll tell you what. I stood. And, you know, they had this lean-to and we're... Yeah, I don't know, it's on stilts because it does rain a lot in there. But, man, that water was getting awful high out there. And that lightning, I mean, I've, I've seen lightning strike close, but I've never, like, in a, I think it was a bigger bolt than, than we get here. It was like crazy. And, and I'll tell you, you have that moment, you're like, okay, will I ever see my family again? What will happen? What's going to happen to everybody around me? And you start racing all those thoughts. And Jesus says, why are you so afraid? And I want you to catch this. He's asking them why you're so afraid. Because he had already clarified to them that there was no reason to panic. I won't let your soul sink. I'm not going to let your soul sink. Like, you know what? Things will go bad. Things will go crazy around us. Jesus calmed the storm. And then he responds to them and he says, he doesn't say, hey, I understand what you're feeling here today. He says, why are you so afraid? We're afraid we're going to drown, Jesus. Don't you understand? We're afraid that you didn't love us because if you loved us, you wouldn't let us go through this. And you wouldn't let this bad storm happen to us. And Jesus, when he answers them and says, why are you so afraid? This is what's behind it. He's saying your premise is all wrong. You should have known better. I do allow people to go through bad times. You had no reason to panic. I was there in the middle of the storm. I was there when everything was bad, when everything, when you thought there was no hope. And as a matter of fact, when you were ready to throw in the towel, when you guys thought you were going to take your last breath, I was there. You see, Jesus promises to take care of our soul. You know, all those disciples, while they survived the storm that day, every one of them died. You look at them later on in history. They didn't make it, uh, you know, maybe 30 years from there, 40 years from there. Every one of them died. And so there's a point in demand once to die, but then a judgment. Then we will stand before God Almighty. And so when we're going through our storms, I want you to know this, folks. Jesus is not absent-minded. And Jesus says he wants you to understand that his power is so much bigger than the storm. He is, he, the storm is unmanageable, but so is Jesus. If they had no reason to panic, 
They certainly had no reason to be terrified after he calmed the storm. Look at the next verse. He says, they, uh, this, Mark tells us, they were terrified and they asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And they were terrified because Jesus was just as unmanageable as the storm. You couldn't control the storm. And now they found something that had more power than the storm and they couldn't control him. And I want you to catch that because if he's God, he's God. Jesus' power, now catch this, fill in the blank in your notes. First of all, Jesus' power is unmanageable. It is so true. His power is greater than a storm. You can't manage his power. But I want you to catch there's more to the story. So are his love and his wisdom. You see, his love and his wisdom are just as unmanageable. There are no bounds. They are limitless. So his love for you is limitless. His wisdom for you is limitless. And his power for you is limitless. And so what we try to do is we try to say, God, in my finite mind, I want your infinite power to work in my finite life. And God says, listen, I know the whole story. I know. And you're not going to always understand, but I am with you. I'm never going to leave you. I love that over in Hebrews 13, 5. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He is always with you. And he says, listen, I don't promise to remove the storm. I promise to be there with you through the storm. And I want to encourage every one of us because, listen, whether your storm's brewing today or not, it will brew one day. And as we brew, when the storms begin to brew, we have got to remember, you know, nature is indifferent to you. The power of nature, like go out when there's a storm and you see all the debris afterwards, you see all the utter destruction. Man, it's indifferent to you. It's unmanageable and it's indifferent to you. But Jesus, his power, boy, his love for you is never ending. So whenever you see, wow, why didn't God do that? Why did this happen? Listen, I can't answer for the storm. Oh, I sure I can tell you there's a 9,000 foot high elevation and a below sea level elevation to show you some of the things that happen. But I'll tell you what. All I can tell you is that God is God. Look what Elizabeth Elliot said. Elizabeth Elliot, she was a missionary. Her husband was one of the five missionaries that went into to the Alka Indians. And uh, these five missionaries went in, they, they would fly in, they would take food in day after day and try and build a friendship with these missionaries. This was 60 years ago. And as they went in, they would, they would make this, you know, thought they were making a relationship by air. The airplane would come in, drop food, drop food, drop food. And then they landed and they went in to tell the people about Jesus and they took gifts. And when they went in, they were all speared, five of them. They were killed. And Elizabeth Elliot She's the husband of, uh, of, one, of the, one, of the, one of the guys that went in there. Look what she says here. She says, God is God. And since he is God, he is worthy of my worship and my service. I will find rest nowhere else but in his will. And that will is necessarily, infinitely, immeasurably, unspeakably beyond my largest notion of what he is up to. Folks, the safest place for you is in the hand of an almighty God, is in the center of his will. Jesus was coming to, the, to, to his disciples. He just talked to them about growing faith and then the test. And I'll tell you what, 
he really had to help them catch this because they might have had it up in their head. But that night they got it in their heart. And Jesus asked them, why do you have no faith? In the Greek, it's really like this. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? And I want to ask you, where is your faith? You know, you don't have to have much faith. He just said that about the mustard seed. You just have to have a little bit of faith. And, you know, it's like when you're, if you were to fall off the edge of a cliff and you see a branch, how much faith do you have to have to grab the branch? Do you have to know everything about the branch? Will the branch hold me? Will, will the velocity that I'm falling help stop me? No, you grab to the branch and you trust that branch. And so this is what God says for you. He says, I want you to trust me. I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And yes, you're falling off the edge of a cliff. Just hold on to me. Jesus is that branch, folks. Jesus is the branch. And I want to encourage you, hold on to that branch today. Because that is the only thing that is solid in this world. Have you not noticed the world is upside down right now? Have you noticed, have you not noticed there is nothing solid anywhere out there in this country or in any country? The world is in division. The world is in anger. The world is in disaster. And we know the end is coming. And God says, listen, trust me. Hold on to me. And I want to encourage you today to hold on to him. And the question is, where is your faith? And in closing today, may I just say this. Remember how much he loves you. And you will remain calm in the storm. Folks, I I don't like storms. I hate them. Physical storms. I'm talking about a physical storm. If you see me when, when the storm's coming, man, I am hiding. Listen, I don't like lightning. I don't like thunder. I don't like wind. I like it 68 degrees with about a five degree, five mile wind on it, right? That's perfect for me. I like comfort, but life is not comfortable. As a matter of fact, may I say it like this, God is powerful. God is powerful, but he never said that he was safe. You will find safety in the shelter of his wings. But when you see his power, there's a lot of time destruction, there's pain. But at the end of the day, his love is there with you. He says, remember how much he loves you. Remember, remember, remember. It's all over the scripture. And he will keep you calm through the storm of your life. It doesn't mean that there's no pain, folks. It means that he is with you. And I'll tell you what. I will go through the storms of life with Jesus any day than to go through the same storm without Jesus. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I, I know that this is God's word. We're just taking it verse by verse. And I know that this is heavy for us. Uh, because we're all facing storms, and the storms are up, the storms are down. So I want to enc- encourage you today to trust Jesus Christ. Uh, maybe you've not trusted Christ at all. Maybe for you, you've been listening to Jesus. You're like the disciples, but whenever all of a sudden he commanded the storm to stop, you said, wow, he's really God. He's really God. He's calling you today to trust him. He really is God. And he really does have power over the storm. And he really does allow his children to go through storms. And he really does go with you. And he won't let your soul sink. This earth is a temporary assignment. He won't let your soul sink. He has eternity in store. So if that's you and you say, Pastor Ken, I need to trust Jesus. 
If, if you'd like to trust Jesus today, would you just respond to him today and pray something like this? Just with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Dear God, I need you. I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. You came to this earth. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again. I trust you with my heart and soul. And for others here today, maybe you are also struggling. And you've you just said, man, the storm's been rough. And you don't know how much water I've drank. And I've been, I've been, my ship's sinking. Man. I can't take it anymore. I want to encourage you. Jesus is with you. It may appear that he's sleeping, but he's not. It may appear that he's not interested. He is totally interested. As a matter of fact, he knows exactly the pain you're going through. I want to encourage you to go home today and just spend some time, sit on your back porch, meet with God and say, God, I'm going to trust you. You're the only branch I've got. I don't understand it all, but I'm going to hold on to you. Father God, be with each one of us. Lord, as we respond to you, thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. Thank you that you are God, that your power is unmanageable, but so are your love, and so is your wisdom. And you have got life under control, and you've got my plan. You have the plan for my life, Lord, and for each one of our lives. You have that plan, and we can trust you, and we can know that you are with us. In your name we pray. Amen.
eyes close and mind awakes No words come to fill the space Cause words, they don't do your power much justice It's too great, too great to be bound By little letters we make up And it's funny that we sometimes think we understand the fullness of your glory By calling you this and that But the reality is that we can't fully comprehend How you can be all of who you are And think of us I'm supposed to do